Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participant's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Stomping Jen. Yeah. We're here again. Oh, we are. Okay. Yes. yes. Welcome we to oh. the Soft Serve Podcast. Oh, thank you. It's nice to see you. <laughs> Do you know who we're talking to? No. We are going to be talking to Dan Walker. He is a photographer. Uh-huh. And he is somebody I know. Oh. Prior to In your prior life. Yes. Yeah. Um and we'll we might end up talking a little bit about that, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um Dan is a really cool guy. He's got a really good story and I love his photography, which is why I reached out to him to see if he'd be interested in talking to us. And he was, so he's here. Oh, excellent. And let's on the, talk to him. On the other side of the intro music, of course. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right, let's go. <laughs> Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping no. Jen, I'm going to Why? sing to you Why? again. I can't help you can. myself. You, not to. you know what's funny? I wasn't going to sing to you. I was saying in my head. Yeah, but then you couldn't I'm help yourself. I'm not going to sing to you. I know. You can't help it. I can't help it. Um, you're somebody I feel the need to sing to, but um, I am not going to sing to our guest, oh, thank Dan Walker. He doesn't want that, no. I'm sure. <laughs> um, hello, Dan. Hi there. Would you like a song? I could. I can we conjure can one up. up. A song. I mean, you can feel free. Um, that's. I, I'm not going to object, but you know, don't feel any pressure. Let's see how this goes. That was and a little awkward. If I feel, if I, I feel think inspired, we not be singing to our guests. Hmm. That sounds like a challenge to <laughs> no. me, Stomping Jen. All right, well, let's oh, see how this conversation goes, and if I feel inspired along the way, I will sing a song. Um, oh Dan, thank you for coming on to talk to us. Um, <clears throat> as I said in the intro, we we know each other from um, our previous lives. Um, um, we'll, and we'll talk about we'll talk a little bit about what our current lives are. Um, but anyways, it's really good to see you. Thanks for coming on. And as I started out saying, um, I really love your photography, and we're going to talk more about that a little bit later. But um, I just want to kind of give you an opportunity to say anything more about um, who you are, what you do, in, in the ways of introducing yourself um, to our listeners. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, th- thank you for the the compliment, and um, it's great to see you too, and uh, and you as well. And um, I, yeah, I'm. I'm a, so I'm a, I'm a photographer. I am originally from Massachusetts. Uh, I moved to Portland, Oregon, uh, early 2018, and um, 
yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I, I, I've spent the bulk of the pandemic, um, trying to, uh, carve out a photography career. Uh, I, I made a big switch and I, I was uh, working in, uh, I was working in higher education and, uh, not in a pho photography role. And, um, I was furloughed and I decided to make a big switch. That's so a, here I am. Yeah. And that, that is a, that is an incredibly brave thing to do. Mm. Um, we've, we've talked before on this podcast with a number of people, Stomping Jen included, who um, faced a um, employment situation, right? You were mm -hmm. laid off from a company yeah, um, and Stomping Jen was like, fuck it. I don't ever want another boss again. I'm going to do, <laughs> I'm going to do me. Yeah. And she like over a couple of years built this amazing business. Oh, why thank you. Hold on. Oh, oh. That's the celebratory noise, Dan. Yes. You'll hear this a lot, I'm sure. Um, oh but I mean, anyways, that's like, that's an incredibly um, it's a, brave move yeah. to make. So um, I, I just say congratulations. I mean, that's impressive. Thank you. I, I'm I'm not at the other side of it yet, yeah. you know, where it's like, oh no, cool, I can make my, you know, living fully doing this. Yeah. Um, but um, but I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm on the right track. Yeah, I so, think taking uh, those taking those steps though, like just deciding to take those steps mm -hmm. is 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 a, is a bold move. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could do it, Stomping Jen. Uh huh. I hope no one's listening to this. <laughs> and are like, we can help you with that, Sawtooth. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, Dan, I, I, I have to ask you this. You're the second person I know who has moved across country um, to the Pacific Northwest. Um, what is oh. it? Yeah. What is it? What's What's it been like relocating from um, uh, puritanical New England um, all the way out there to the Pacific Northwest? <laughs> what What is what what What's that been like? Well, I can tell you that, um, I mean, it's been, it's been different. It's cool. Um, um, while we do not have the same architecture and the same amount of history that New England does, uh, um, and I, and I miss that stuff. Um, it's, it's pretty chill out here. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's the nature is huge. Um, you know, uh, there's snow-capped mountains. There's just, I mean, Gifford Pinchot National Forest is just over the Columbia River in Washington. And like, I mean, that's like the, the home of Bigfoot, you know? Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, but, well, we don't have to go there. That's okay. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. no. He no. wants no. you to go there. No, we, we do have to go there. And oh, I, and I have, you mentioned it. So now we have to sorry. go there. I, no, no. Yeah. Don't be sorry. I should be thanking you. Um <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Um, have you have you encountered anything out there in the woods or <laughs> elsewhere to to make you question whether or not such a creature exists? No, but I have found mountain lion prints uh, in the snow, and it was actually in Gifford on a forest road, and uh, I, I yeah I got right out of there. Oh yeah. my god. Have you seen that video? Yeah, I was video just thinking about that video. That was going around on the web of the of the guy who was walking on some road and he was a um oh, menaced by a mountain lion. Yeah, he was in Colorado, I think, right? And somewhere, uh, yeah. The, yeah. Yes. Yep. But, 
but you have those things right in your backyard. Those um, those yeah. hissing claw monsters. Kind of. They're actually so we have all these buttes um, mm-hmm. in in Portland, and they've you know they're parks uh, now, and and they've spotted them on Powell Butte, which is not that far from. It's on the east side of Portland, but like, I mean, I like I go there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they've spotted them in there and I'm like, Oh my God, uh, they're around. And, and I, it, it, it's terrifying. And it's so rare that you'll see one or be, a t- let alone be attacked by one. But, but I'm absolutely like that, that I think to wrap my head around actually has been one of the strangest things yeah. <laughs> yeah. here is to kind of get right with that. Uh, which, which some people might not be bothered by, but for me, it was just like, man, we do not have that in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. No. So. And we used to, right? Like mountain they, lions? yeah. Mountain lions were uh, yeah. all over the place here at one mm. point. Yeah. And, we drove them to Oregon. No, we exterminated them. Mm. Uh, and some people claim they still see them occasionally and they've had biologists come in here because they've had some like credible mm-hmm. sightings. Mm-hmm. Um, they've researched them and they've never found evidence of like a reproducing population here, but some people swear they still see them. Mm-hmm. Bobcats. No, I mean mountain lions. No, I know. I'm saying a different animal of a yeah. feline persuasion. <laughs> but that's a whole other kettle of cats. I mean, yeah. a, mount- a bobcat probably can't kill you. I mean, well, it, if it's having a good day, it might be able to, right? Like, but probably it can't. <laughs> yeah, but, but mountain lions. A mountain lion is going to kill you mm-hmm. if it decides it wants to. <laughs> and this is, this is, now Dan, as a, um, somebody who lives in the Pacific Northwest, has to at least even think about that mm-hmm. when you're out there in the woods. And that's like not it, anything we have to do. Yeah. I mean, there's, there was a woman who was killed. Um, in the salmon, salmon huckleberry wilderness area of Mount hood. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago and, and she was hiking on her own, I think, and not land got her. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it does happen. And then there was an attack in Seattle. Um, a couple of cyclists were doing like some gravel riding, um, outside of the city. And, um, yeah. One of them. Yeah. I feel like if you're riding a bike, at least you have a fighting chance because you can maybe get that bike know. between you and that lion, possibly. Oh, yeah. The thing that bugs me about biking in the woods and mountain lions is that they're cats yeah. and they like to chase stuff mm. and hide and pounce. <laughs> and so yeah. if you start rolling by on your bike, they're going to go, yeah. ooh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you carry like spray or anything like that when you're out there? I, I have, I don't, I, I should. Um, that's the thing. Like when I would do like, um, I mean, we might dive a little too deep into the cycling discussion before you, you want to. So, yeah, but okay. uh, I would, I would do a lot of like mixed terrain rides, um, back in New England, um, dirt ro- roads, old like carriage roads and, uh, up into Vermont and such. And, and like, you know, here it's like all gravel timber logging roads and into like vast wilderness and, uh, you know, I should have some, some pepper spray or something and, or, you know, and, and, and probably a satellite phone on some of these rides. Out here. Yeah. But I haven't been doing a lot of that this year because I didn't, I haven't been riding with anybody. Yeah. So I didn't want to do that stuff alone. So I kind of just stick to the roads. That's a good, that's a good idea not to go out there alone. And like you said, if you were ever ambushed by one of those things, you probably wouldn't even see it coming. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd have very little opportunity. Cats are freaking sneaky. Yeah, they are. They're sneaky. They are. sneaky. I mean, we have three cats. They sneak around. And they're sneaky. <laughs> yeah, they are sneaky. <laughs> they're um, sneaky little fuckers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, getting back to the move, um, so is it those yeah. natural elements that are like the most striking difference between New England and and um, the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we have a lot of old growth forest, like temperate rainforest out here, and the trees are just massive. Like yeah. we have a we have a huge Douglas fir tree in our backyard that is just huge. I mean, it's a, it's great. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that stuff is everywhere. I mean, we can just get. They don't. Portland doesn't let. Uh, you can't take down a tree unless you can prove it's sick in the city. Mm. And there are a lot of tree. There's a lot of tree canopy here. Um, which is very cool. Um, but you know, if you start driving east, you get out to the high desert, which is a whole different landscape. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it's Oregon's huge. I mean, it's, it's so funny. You don't really get the scale. You don't grasp it until you're here. Um, you know, Oh, let's go to the other side of Oregon. It's like, well, okay, Mm -hmm. that's going to be like five, six hours away. Yeah. (laughs) And that's one of the things people who believe in Sasquatch say is that, like you don't even understand the scale of the forest and that there are places for these things to live isolated. Oh my God. That's what they say. I just had like a flash of you like in the forest <laughs> hunting for Sasquatch. We're going. I, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Dan. No, I was just going to say, I don't know. There's a documentary I watched a little, like a month ago uh, with an investigative journalist named David Holthouse. Yes, I saw um, that. It was amazing. Okay, that was yeah. that was cool. Um, that was cool, and that that was Bigfoot related. Yeah, um, yeah. The, um, for people listening to this, you can see that on Hulu, I believe, and it was kind of this story about this um, this David Holthouse guy. Um, he was um, involved in the 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 pot growing industry back in the nineties, and he was at a at a grow operation in California, I think, in Mendocino. Um, county and a bunch of people ran into the camp screaming about Bigfoot um, dismembering a bunch of farmers and the whole the three I think it's three doc three episodes like the whole or or something like that the whole the whole docuseries then kind of tries to unravel the mystery Mm. of what happened Oh, that sounds like riveting television for me yeah (laughs) (laughs) i would fall asleep in two minutes (laughs) i stayed up all night and watched it i know you love it yeah those are like the type of documentaries that just put me right to sleep they start and like i'm engaged for like half a minute yes um dan stopping jen doesn't know this but we'll be neighbors in the future because when i retire i'm moving out there to primarily (laughs) Begin my search for oh, the this, Sasquatch. Yeah, I mean, this isn't news to me. Yes. Okay. Well, um, you if you stay in touch then, and we'll yeah. we'll. Uh, yes. uh, I'd be happy to yeah. to be a bit of a guide out here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, um, I I have a family member who relocated out there. I don't know. Are they near I have no Portland? Idea. I mean, are we allowed to say where they? You live? could say the town, Ashland, which is south. Oh yeah, I've I've heard good things about Ashland. Yeah. I haven't yeah. been there, but yeah, it's that's like a far south. It's like a mountainy. I think they. Yeah, I think he said it's like it's a valley I think. near California, right? They're well, pretty it's, close. It's funny. Well, well, that's the yeah. closest airport is like San. Yeah, Francisco. Oh, right, that's the north one, or San. Yeah. San Jose. Is but it's not like rainforest, like where you live. No. It's not like that. It's like a valley. Yeah, 
and it looks like and there are they were um subject to those fires right, last fires summer like they just there. barely missed them oh yeah man we had like the kind of get ready to okay. maybe go order mm-hmm. like you know and, i mean we had a lot of smoke pouring into our our place it was it was rough scary uh, yeah. for a solid how, week there yeah. how, how far are you guys from the ocean mm, good question um, eh, maybe under a couple of hours okay not quite. So not close. hour and a half maybe Oregon seems big to me. I know. I'm like hearing all of this. I know. Hmm. It's huge. And then the ocean is super dangerous out here too. So the sneaker waves like get people all the time and someone just died climbing Mount Hood. It's it's extreme. There's a lot of crazy stuff. (laughs) Killer Um, whales too, right? He's like, Oregon's amazing. I'm gonna make it sound super dangerous and nobody comes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're gonna, we're planning to visit next summer. Oh, wait, I have a question. Yeah, a ahead. very serious yeah. question. Go ahead. Is sure. Portland like Portlandia? Uh, so <laughs> in some ways, yes. Obviously, as it shows a caricature of, of yeah. the culture here, but um, some ways, yes. I really this past winter, I certainly identified with this sketch where the Portlanders are like all huddling together in the one little ray of sunshine mm-hmm. over the winter because mm-hmm. it just rains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is it, does um, it really yeah. just rain all the time there? Is it, or, or not all the time, obviously, but is it very rainy there? It can't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's a rainy season. It's a good yeah. six months of like, Oh God. Oh wow. Gray, rainy, uh, you know, and, and you get some sunshine interspersed here and there, but it's, it's pretty, it can, it can be a little tough, but, um, right now, this week, it's been like in the nineties. Oh, nice! Jeez. Super sunny. You know? Nice. Savor those moments. I bet yeah. you appreciate yeah. them more when you get yeah. them. Yeah, I don't know Ooh. if I can move to Oregon. Yeah, we're in the dry season now, so it's like, yeah, the the the, the sun is great, mm-hmm. and until things catch on fire. Oh God! Um, yeah. then, oh God! Um, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about photography. Well, hold on. Sure, I want to yeah, ask a couple more oh, questions. Oh, my God. Oh, right. yeah. More Sasquatch. Sorry, just a few more questions. <laughs> Are they about Sasquatch? Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. We can go. All right. We'll go on. To, no, they're not about Sasquatch. <laughs> we'll come back to this. All right. I'm not saying I don't believe. I'm not saying I believe. I, But it's interesting. I'll, I'll just I'll leave that there. Yeah. Well, when we do a Bigfoot episode, you're coming on and you're going to get the full blast I, of um, sawtooth Sasquatchery. I'm just holding back, stomping I, down. I, I'm restraining I'm myself. Fully aware. I can see the look you're giving me. Don't you dare. Um, okay. Um, so I'm looking at. I've been looking at your photographs now for a couple of weeks since you um, made an announcement that I think you had started a website and all of that. And you don't yeah. look like somebody to me who has just started taking pictures. And I'm kind of. I'm kind of curious. What drew you in to photography, like as an art form? Like when when did you start with it? What did you find appealing um, about photography? Yeah, um, I would say probably um, in the nineties when I I mean I've, I always had a camera, you know, thirty five millimeter film camera when I was a little kid, and um, I would say like in the mid nineties when I started going to see bands, um, I would. I, I would get up on the side of the stage and just shoot pictures of the bands. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so I still have like a whole, you know, box full of old 
film photos from, from that time. Um, and some of them are all right. Like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't operating like a pro camera and manual mode at that point, but, um, and, and I thought about going to school for photography and a few of the, the colleges I was accepted to were for photography, but I, I didn't really have a portfolio and didn't end up going to school for that. And, um, did some other stuff and, and, uh, you know, went to school for some other things, but, um, and then I, you know, I've always been sort of interested and have, uh, since then have always had like an SLR camera, like the semi pro camera. Um, mm-hmm. is that a, a digital camera an SLR? Uh, no, it, it was, but yeah, SLR is more like, um, so that can apply to both film and digital camera, just okay. a single lens reflex. Um, and, um, but they, yeah, so, so I did, you know, I'd always took photos and, um, I just didn't really, I was really interested in learning, like really learning how to dial in, you know, full manual mode and, and get what I wanted to get out of the, out of my images. And I, I kind of like was partially there for years and like, mm-hmm. didn't really just dig in hard enough to do it. Um, and my pictures were like, okay, you know, and, and, uh, I liked taking them and, and, and that was enough, I guess, uh, for a for a long time. And, um, and then when I moved out here, um, yeah, my, my girlfriend got me, um, a mirrorless Sony camera. So it just doesn't have that, that reflective, you know, that the mirror mechanism inside of it. Um, and it uses an electronic viewfinder instead of like reflecting the image through the lens to it. Um, so you just look at a, a screen basically, yeah. but it's a little eyepiece. Um, and, uh, that was like a, you know, it was a, it was a little Sony. Um, and, um, I got a couple of lenses for it eventually and started to take some online classes and, you know, we, uh, we like to travel. Um, last year was tough. I think the last place we we went was probably Joshua Tree in March of 2020, um, and that was kind of that it. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's a couple of photos from from Joshua Tree on my website, um, and that was like when I was really just like barely kind of scratching the surface of knowing what I was doing, hmm. um, and um, so you know, I, I think. I think the pandemic sort of necessitated, you know, there's a lot of landscape stuff on, on my website. I would love to photograph more people. I'm planning on doing that. Uh, but I think that the pandemic sort of just kind of for me, because I didn't have, I wasn't already in that world of being able to shoot portraits of people. And I didn't know what was going on with the, the virus and didn't really su- feel super safe do, trying that. Like, and also kind of being new out here on the West coast and not really, Knowing, knowing people. enough people to, yeah. you know, say, Hey, do you want to be my subject? And Yeah. That's interesting. So. Cause in, in looking at, in looking at your posted work and I want to encourage people listening to this, maybe to um, pause and go look at um, Dan's website. It's danwalker.me. Um, like that's one thing that stood out to me is the lack of people in your photographs. I think I found a photo with one person in it. Um, and it's interesting to, it's interesting to hear, and and it was interesting to hear you talk about how you got started early photographing bands. 
right? Which is, you know, mostly people, right? Stomping Jen? People? I mean, pe- <laughs> play people music? have to play the instruments. So, yeah, right. I, would, yes. I would say yes. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. So I wanted to ask you about that, but I think you explained to us why that was. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, yeah. And I guess I got off the track there a little bit, but um, so I guess what, what attracted me to photography as a, as a medium would probably be capturing fleeting moments, mm-hmm. um, you know, capturing um, human emotion um, and being able to look at that still image um, which is not real life, you know, it's, it's subjective, even if it's a, even if it's a document, it, it's, it's still subjective based on what I see out of that greater context and, you know, trying to decide what do you exclude from that context? What do you keep in the frame? Um, and, um, you I know, just, you, I kind of, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say you totally capture emotion in these pictures that uh don't have any people in like this is this one's my that's the challenge (laughs) but my favorite is this one that i'm looking at that's like streaks of light like i don't even know what i'm looking at but it's super cool yeah oh yeah that was a mistake um that i capitalized on (laughs) but you know no mistake here like that's (laughs) that's amazing like i I love it i want to go back to something dan said about photography capturing human emotion and stomping Jen, you just talked about that. And it reminds me of our recent conversation we had with a poet who we were, we were Adam Grabowski. We were, we were talking to him and he mentioned that the closest art form in his mind to poetry is photography um, for its ability to capture raw emotion. And like, it had never occurred to me before really. Mm. Like, I think I probably knew that, but mm-hmm. it's interesting that we have another artist here talking about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There seems to be some kind of connection. And and Dan, like, when I look at your photos, I'm really interested in in your process here because you you have such an eye for composition. I'm looking at these things, and they're, like, the images are just so beautifully framed and I was just kind of curious, like, um, how you how you approach a shot, and do you spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, I want to capture it this way, I need to line up the elements this way, you know, in the frame, or I'm not sure I'm even using the right language, but just talk to us a little about composing these shots, because, like, I just, they... they I, I don't even know how to say it. I just want people to go look at these because they are mm-hmm. so beautifully composed. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I, um, I guess I, you know, some of the easiest stuff, like, like the low hanging fruit is like a great landscape, right? Like you walk up to it and you see the subject you're like, yeah. Oh cool. There's like a big rock feature or like, you know, mm-hmm. um, something, epic looking right and so um you know and, and rather than put that dead center in the frame i mean the the rule the, there's rules mm-hmm. and quotes <laughs> photography but in composition but um you know all that stuff is is fine to play around with mm-hmm. and um so i try to simplify my images as much as possible so there's not too much information um Sometimes that's really hard. I find that particularly difficult living in this city. Um, so getting out 
out of bounds, you know, out into, into the wilderness is, is generally a lot easier to do that. Um, or getting like really zooming in on something and um, excluding all the chaos, visual chaos around it. Um, so it depends what the subject is. Um, and sometimes it's a matter of finding a subject in a composition that isn't obvious. Um, mm. That's challenging. Um, I try to do that in this with city photography. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, I'm looking. Yeah. At, I'm looking. This one of a like mm-hmm. it almost looks like an apartment building of some kind at night, and I feel like the subject here is this like um, illuminated doorway that's shining some light out onto the street. Like that's the thing that's standing out to me. And I don't know that I ever would have noticed that. Like if I was walking by it or. Um, is that the one with. Um, the cars are on the drive. On the- is there like a brake lights that are streaking? Through yeah. The, yeah. Through mm-hmm. the- yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, I was taking photos off of the Burnside bridge. Um, and I like, you made, I'm, I like night photography quite a bit. Um, and that gets pretty sketchy here, but, um, yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, cause it put me a little higher up on the level of the middle of that building. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 but like I've the- been shooting on the other side of the bridge yeah. and, um, and then I kind of, after I was done taking some city shots over there, I, I went to this side of the bridge and, and noticed that building and the light coming through the door. And I just thought that was, that was cool. And then luckily there was a car that had just, you know, started up and I said, Ooh, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I set up and, and did like a, I don't know, I want to say like a 10 second exposure or something like that. And that's how you that get the streaking brake lights by a yeah. longer exposure. I really like light trails too. Those, yeah. are, those are fun. Yeah. But the, like the thing, like, yeah, like the thing that catches me and intrigues me, there's lots of, I think there's lots of interesting elements in this particular picture, but like, my eye is drawn to that doorway. Like something's going to come out of it. I want to go into it. It's and, mine was too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of, a lot of your pictures, especially the night ones have this kind of um, ethereal, almost, uh, these are my words, my reaction, uh, like ethereal eerie quality to them. Do you, Good. do you achieve that? <laughs> are you, are you, is that, um, is that an effect of the, um, uh, the process you're using in, in taking the pictures or is, is this, are you going, are you trying to create that? I, yeah, yeah, I I guess so. I mean, it depends, um, on the day and you know, what I'm looking at and how I'm feeling, but I, I, I'm still, I, I feel like that's something that I, I do strive for. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I've really achieved that but I appreciate the compliment. Um, I, it's, it's a hard thing to do, I think. Um, and some of that comes down to editing afterward. And um, that's a whole different beast. Um, someone who I look to um, for that kind of work is Dina Latovsky. Um, I actually took a, a, a brief workshop with her uh, virtually. And that was great. She does a lot of work for Nat Geo, um, and did a project called dark city 2020. Um, 
and yeah, you can find that on her website. And it's mm-hmm. it's um it's all night shots of New York City during the pandemic. Hmm. And a lot of times it's just like one person in the shot looking real lonely or, you know, people in their lit apartment windows, you know, from the side of the street. And um, it's it's really striking stuff. And I think that would probably hit the same notes. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to do what she's doing necessarily, but um, she's got some great stuff in it. And it's um, that's been a source of inspiration for me, for sure. It's so interesting. Sorry, I don't mean to there's another photographer that I follow. I don't even know how I, but also did that same thing. Went out at night in New York city, like three o'clock oh, in the really? morning and took a lot of photos. And that's um, interesting, but I'm pretty sure it's not who you're referring to. Yeah. So <laughs> interesting. In, um, what is it about night that attracts you and intrigues you? Um, everything changes. Yeah. Um, I don't have to be out all day sweating in the hot sun, (laughs) (laughs) getting sunburned. (laughs) Um, No, it's, it's, um, yeah, the lights come on in the city and, you know, like the, the natural light gets low, the artificial light turns on. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a cool balance. I like, I like that um, the play between both of those sources of lights. And uh, I, I like that you can do something where you, you know, it, it looks a little, a little supernatural maybe where you have light trails, you know, because you had to leave your shutter open 30 seconds, a minute or whatever. Um, and it just makes it look a little, I don't know, a little surreal maybe. Yeah. Yeah. These night photos that, yeah, there's like an unsettling um, element to them. And in a good way for me, like, it just like makes me think, you know, like a monster is going to come charging out of the woods or something like, I just, I, I love it. <laughs> Some of those I've felt like that while I was shooting. Them. Yeah. <laughs> like the one in Forks, Washington. Um, I can't express to you how incredibly dark it is up there. <laughs> I like the shot of the car from the front. Uh, which one is that stomping? The Jen? one at the bottom. Oh yeah, that old timey car. I love old timey. Yeah, old. You know, oh, when cars yeah. were made out of metal. <laughs> Do people, when you're out photographing in public um, and doing these kind of documentary style um, shoots, you're capturing what's out there on the street. Do people ever like challenge you, like, "Hey, what, what are you doing, taking a picture of my car?" Because I could see like this car has the license plate on it, or you know, like. <laughs> Maybe that guy wouldn't have been so happy, or that woman, or that person, that person. W- would not have been so happy about that. Like, I'm curious. Like, yeah. have you ever been, you know, assaulted or challenged or? Um, no, I think I've gotten some um, some pretty hard looks, <laughs> but I try not to do stuff that's that looks too sketchy. Like, I'm not real. I'm not out to be a creep, you know. And yeah. but like, I won't. I won't photograph people's kids you know, unless that's like something we discuss ahead of time or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and so, but yeah, cars, cars are, I feel a little weird about doing those, um, less weird than I do about approaching people to take their photo, Mm -hmm. but still a little weird, um, because somebody owns that somebody's sitting in their, you know, house, maybe looking at it or out in the front yard or often in Portland, I find there's like 
every car on the curb is occupied. Like somebody's sitting in it ha- almost all the time. Wow. But this one was pretty broken down, and the the back end needed a couple new tires. And <laughs> yeah, you have this. Yeah, there's this really interesting photo you have that looks like of a pharmacy or a drugstore. Um, you know, it says Willoughby on it, and then hearing aids. And there's a, oh, yeah. it's the one picture with a person in it. And that, that person is like looking off to their right. And in my mind, in like a really concerned way, like somebody's coming after them. Like, um, <laughs> did you, did you talk to them at all before you took that? Or was this just what you, you saw? Uh, I did not speak to that person at all. Um, yeah. I'm not even sure that he saw me. Um, and he was, I think he, I, I think he was really looking that way because he was about to cross the street. Um, but I think he was also pretty concerned. There, there was a group of folks, there's a Seven Eleven across the street from there. And there was a group of folks that we, we have, we have a lot of people living on the streets here mm-hmm. a lot. It's, it's intimidating and it's, it's sad and it's, it's a hard situation. But um, I think he was looking at, there was a group of, of, folks hanging out in front of the Seven Eleven there that were being very loud um, and kind of jumping around a lot and, and in a way that was kind of concerning, I think. And he was looking over there and I, I kept doing double takes too while I was shooting pictures. Yeah. Like there's definitely, he's def in my mind, again, he's definitely conveying a sense of concern or, you know, imminent, there's like some kind of danger in the air. And that's what I, and like back to this idea about pictures conveying emotion and they tell stories like poems, right? Stomping Jen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, ma- I'm making up all of these stories in my head for all, the for these photos um, that I'm seeing. And that's what I love. About the photos. Yeah. That well, that's cool. Cause yeah. if I had included that group of people in front of the Seven Eleven in the frame that yes there's no mystery right right exactly (laughs) exactly and that's part of the um that's part of the the composition right right Uh, listen i don't know anything about anything stomping jen i'm working through this live you're so funny (laughs) i like that empty gas station yeah um it's it's eerie i love it i Mm -hmm. love these so everybody go on um go on dan walker's site danwalker.me and look at these pictures as as you hear us talking about them um um what kind of so you you're using a digital camera now right with this 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 mirrorless digital camera that's your preferred tool um, for for now, yeah, the the industry seems to be moving toward mirrorless. They're more compact camera bodies. They don't have a, a moving mechanism inside of them that um, uh, can shake, you know, vibrate the camera like a like a mirror like a mirror um, like an SLR with a mirror does. So if you're doing a long exposure, right, and the mirror clicks, you know, the camera is going to shake just a little bit. Um, so the mirrorless stuff can be little more compact mm-hmm. maybe a little better performance that way but um yeah i've got a, a couple of lenses and um uh it's really kind of an events kit like I, that was my initial goal when i when i invested in some some new gear was to have you know a couple of lenses and a, and a body and eventually a second camera body where yeah i could um I could work some some events, and I, I finally actually shot a bike race last night for the 
first time with that equipment. Um, and that was challenging, but, yeah. um, is that yeah, be- so I mean, that's digital. Digital is my preferred at the moment, you know, was the bike race challenging because the things are moving the, the, the compositional elements that you want to catch are moving. Yeah. Whole different ball game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like, I can just set a focus point in a landscape photo and just shoot that, you know, and, and, um, unless there's wildlife or something, but when you have a moving target, yeah, it's, I mean, I had to crank my, um, shutter speed and my ISO and like just the whole exposure triangle to try and get, uh, the light was challenging. Like everything was just changing. It was in the evening. Um, and I think I, I think I walked away with like 1300 photos. Oh my God. Oh my God. Just Does that trying mean to you get, just trying to get things right. <laughs> yeah. And how, how many of those do you think, what percentage of those do you think will be usable? I don't know, maybe, maybe a quarter, you know, yeah. um, but, but we'll see. I mean, it's a five, it's a six week series and it's in a park, right. You know, like a mile from the house. So yeah. like got time to refine it. <laughs> do you, um, so afterwards, do you think about what you walked away with the process you used and what you're going to do differently next time? Like, are you, yes. are you already thinking? Yeah. So you're, yeah. Yep. Yep. As the sun was setting and I realized I wasn't going to have any more natural light to really play around with. And the last race was starting to end. I thought, okay, well, you know, I, I walked the whole like mile and a half course and it's up and down a mountain basically. And, um, it's like, yeah, I was already thinking about, okay, what, what spots did I like, you know, what were the best uh, locations for shooting and, um, what worked, what didn't, um, you know, what were my settings and the camera that I liked, what worked, what didn't, you know, um, that kind of stuff. And what, what would I do next time? And so, um, I made some notes and just kind of, it's just a a process of refining and it's nice when that's repeatable. Um, Mm -hmm. so I am like trying to be, uh, adept at, um, event shooting or, um, action photography shooting. And that's, and that's honestly, I, there's been no shows. There's been no bands. And that's, Mm. that was one of my goals was to, was to shoot inside venues um, before the pandemic hit. And uh, I was already talking to a couple of venues out here, you know, as to how that, how you get the credentials to do that. And um, you know, sometimes it's the venue, sometimes it's the artist management team that you have to reach out to, but um, that's on my list. So Mm. um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And do you use a similar process? I'm looking at this photograph on your website um, of a wave that looks like it's breaking. Oh, yeah. And the thing that strikes me about this um, is it doesn't seem blurry at all, right? Like I would think because of the motion of the wave, it might be blurry. Mm. And is that, are you using a similar technique there that you used like with the, the bike race? Yeah, uh, pretty fast shutter speed okay. to freeze the motion. Um, yeah, that's amazing. I don't I know like any. <laughs> yeah, I love this. I don't know anything about photography. And you like, take nice pictures. Who? You. You know why, though? Because you take a million pictures. There's that, and I spend a lot of time um, <laughs> setting, thinking about the compositional elements. Like when you were talking, Dan, like 
I'll, I'll stand there for you know two minutes waiting for that bird to leave or that car to finish driving through or the cat to walk out of the frame. Like you know, I spend a lot of yep. I just I spend a lot of time waiting. And then the other thing, um, stomping Jen mentioned is I take a ton of pictures and I'm like, okay, there'll be a good one in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, honestly, that's the, that's, that's all I'm doing (laughs) is, is trying to be patient and, uh, think about the composition and, uh, and, um, and take a million photos because, eventually, you know, one of them is going to be good <laughs> and you can do that with digital and that's nice. So, yeah. Do you, when you, so when you take 1300 bike pictures and let's say you want to, you want to keep a hundred of them, do you just trash right. the other ones? Do you did, do you send them into the digital graveyard or do you keep them somewhere for later? Uh, well, I'm, I'm in the middle of that process for the first time now, pretty much. I mean, I've, I've shot some bike races in the years past, but not in a serious way. Um, and I would think, you know, there, there's like a whole, um, burst of shots where, you know, the autofocus didn't grab anybody. And so it's just, everybody's blurry. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the tree in the back of the frame is in focus, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so those images, yeah, I would just trash those. There's really not much I can do with them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's going to be, uh, quite a bit of, uh, uh, my trash bin is going to be pretty full soon, I think yeah. of many photos, but I did get some good ones. So I think, I think that'll be all right. So that's not a hard thing for you to do is just, um, to, to permanently delete those ones that you've, you've judged are not, um, worth keeping. I can't delete yeah. photos. I, I hear you. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. I, my tendency is to be a, photo file hoarder but um i think with the with the number of images that are coming in like you know mm-hmm. i think that was like 60 gigs worth of images. Yeah, too many gigs. And yeah it's just like you know if they're, if they're not going to be usable and if the ones that are like maybe usable i would keep those mm-hmm. you know um because i've, I've often gone gone back to my shots later and i mean even sometimes months later and been like why didn't i edit this one you know and, and then i'll to an edit and it's like oh, that's a beautiful photo amazing you know how did that yeah. how did i just not see that the first time around you know and do you know um do, do you do you have time when you're shooting something i wouldn't think you would have time when you're shooting like a bike race to know if you're getting good shots like i would think that has to come later because stuff is moving so fast or can you tell as you're going um yeah i usually do a quick check you know I'll hit the playback button and just kind of zoom in really quick on the LCD screen and see if, um, you know, is what I wanted in focus actually in focus mm-hmm. or is what I wanted blurry, blurry enough or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I can usually get a decent idea, but I won't really know until I, I get home and, and look at it on a larger screen. Yeah. Um, I always ask this question, do you use Macs or windows? Um, I've used both right now. I'm on a Mac. Um, I like, I like Macs. Yeah, me too. They're expensive though. And I feel like my, you know, endeavoring into my jumping into my new career is, um, maybe not going to allow me to afford more Macs, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, um, you were talking about post-processing before, 
I think, um, in making adjustments. Like in my mind, you should, not you, but anyone, mostly myself, should be able to take a picture and that should be it. Right? Like I should be able to take a picture, it should look good, and I should be able to move along with my life. Right? And I, I don't think until we've talked to other photographers, and I wanted to get Dan's take on this, I don't think I really understood how important um, the post-processing is in in the uh, photography process. Stomping Jen, I don't think I understood that. I'm an impatient person. I like I want to take a picture and just have it be perfect. But that's often not the case, right, Dan? You have to futz around a bit. Yeah, sometimes. So, I mean, so I shoot um, raw files, um, which look a little rough out of the box. Um, if you shoot JPEG, the camera will do its processing for you. Um, and like Sony processes their JPEGs a little different than like Nikon processes their stuff versus Canon. And so, um, and that stuff can be fine, uh, which I, I guess much like iPhone or like, you know, cell phone photography you could place into the realm of computational photography where the device is doing all the work for you. You know, I mean, you you might set up the shot, but ultimately the device is processing the image for you. Um, And that's, and and that stomping gen is why I take good pictures because this friggin' iPhone is doing all the work for me. iPhone isn't going to get you anywhere with composition. So like, that's all you. Mm. And that's a skill that I had to learn. I had, I really, was bad at it. <laughs> like my girlfriend will take great, she can compose, takes great smartphone shots and she can just get a great composition. I was terrible at it and it frustrated me to no end. And I had to like really, really work hard. Like you can learn that stuff, but it, it's, it just didn't, I don't, I don't want to say it didn't come naturally, but like it just was, I found it different. I found it challenging to get compositions that were, um, effective, um, for a long time. So, well, the work, the work paid off really. Um, did you watch YouTube videos on composition? I I watch YouTube videos on everything. (laughs) And isn't that an amazing resource? Yeah. It's like, it's just such a wealth of knowledge and, and also garbage, but, um, so -hmm. much knowledge, like, (laughs) yeah. Um, you know, and if you can sift through it, like that's, it's such a helpful tool. Um, I, I did watch a f- some YouTube videos, usually like short tutorials, if there's some little skill, something like, but ultimately what I really did was uh, I ended up um, through my, through my last employer, I had uh, access to LinkedIn learning. Oh yeah. And so they scooped up all lynda.com stuff. Um, and they had uh, classes by this guy, Ben Long who's a San Francisco based photographer. And I think he's a, I think he's an editor at Macworld as well. Mm. And he's just got endless, endless courses on every aspect of photography you could ever imagine. And I just like devoured all of that. Um, and so uh, I learned, you know, the exposure triangle through those classes. I learned composition through those classes. I learned, um, night you know the fundamentals of night photography um and then flash off-camera flash photography um 
and then uh, I took a bunch of courses with Justin Resnick, who's uh, I think he's in Seattle, Seattle-based landscape fine art photographer. Because hmm. um, we were planning a, a trip, you know, we had gone anywhere. We we're like, we got to get out of Portland. Like, we have to go somewhere. Last year it was just mm-hmm. like awful. <laughs> And so we were like, do you think it'd be safe if we go up to Olympic National Park? We can probably stay away from people if we go during the week, you know, and um, for the most part, we were able to stay away from people. But um, so leading up to that trip, you know, I watched a ton of uh, landscape photography videos, uh, classes from Justin Resnick and um, his stuff is beautiful. Um, And so. Is that where you you took this um, rock outcropping picture? Was, Was that it? Olympic National Park, this black and white one. Mm. Oh yeah, so that's yeah, so that's a sea stack. Um, What's a sea stack? Like a sea so stack? All, <laughs> like volcanic. Um, uh, you know, uh, you'll see them stacked in the in the o- st- stack in the ocean. I'm gonna I'm gonna really mess this one up, but uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> they are volcanic. Um, you know, yeah, outcroppings that you know yeah. stick out of the ocean, and this was low tide, mm. so there's um, tide pools. We'd actually hiked, I want to say it was a couple of miles out on Rialto Beach, um, in Olympic National Park, which to get to Hole in the Wall, which is a, a feature that I think I also have on my website. But um, this one, I took this photo, and it was a color photo originally, and I kind of didn't like it. The sky was boring. You know, yeah. there were no clouds and, um, it just wasn't doing anything for me. And then I came back to it a couple months later and converted it to black and white and said, Oh, okay, <laughs> that's cool. I'm into that one. So, um, and sometimes that's what it is. It's just simplifying the image. And if that means taking the color away, then sometimes that's great. It, you have to, your brain has to do a little more work, um, to fill in the blanks, um, on an image where, you know, you can't you can't see all the colors and um sometimes yeah. that can be you know you can use that to your advantage i'm glad you didn't throw that in, that away because that's a stri- that's a striking image and imagine it all it took was you know stripping the color out of it and and doing something making some other adjustments that's that's something else um somebody somebody thought it was a mountain um i can it's really see, just like yeah, yeah i can I, totally I, see that I kind of like that little bit of illusion where like, if you look quick, you, you might, you might think that. Um, I, I did think that for sure. Yeah. Um, it's not, it wasn't small, but it certainly wasn't a mountain. And on the other side of that um, rock was uh, a bald eagle in its nest. Oh, oh gosh. Um, and I, I don't have a lens long enough to get a really good shot. Like a wildlife lens would be like, you know, yeah. 600 millimeter focal length, which I think I've got, I top out at like 200. Um, wow. That's awesome. I got some shots of them, but, uh, not, not anything worth like, you know, no, no fine art type of shots or anything, but. And honestly, there's, we've got enough bald Eagle pictures out there in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Give me more streaks of light. Yeah. Light streaks. Yeah. And sea stacks. We've We've all seen, we've all seen bald Eagles. Please, Dan. <laughs> um, Dan, you, you you mentioned before, if you're okay, I want to talk a little bit about cycling because you you mentioned before um, that you were sure. really into cycling. Um, yeah, yeah. Kind of another another passion of yours. You you mentioned you've been doing it um, for twelve years or so, and and I'm 
I'm curious um, how you got kind of how you got into that sport and um, what what draws you to it as a as a recreation. Um, so I, uh, when I was, I mean, I, you know, I, I had a bike when I was a little kid, you know, and BMX bike. And, um, I, I would ride around like, and when I was a teenager, like we would, uh, some friends of mine would ride to, um, a music store in, uh, Enfield, Connecticut from Forest Park neighborhood of Springfield, which I think was like a 12 mile round trip. And wow. we would do these little trips once in a while in the summer. And, uh, you know, it was like, Oh, big deal. You know, <laughs> um, when we were like, I want to say we were like young teenagers, like 13, maybe, um, 14 even, but, um, and then I think in, it, it kind of just, you know, I always wanted to go cruise around on bikes and I always had a bike. Um, and then I think in 2005, I, I went and got like a, like a real bike, like a, you know, my first, like, um, multi-speed, you know, uh, bike. It was, it was actually a cyclocross bike, which is a thing I'll explain in a minute, but it, it looked like a road bike. Um, and, uh, so I started riding that around in my, you know, my, my, I, I just have always wanted to, I just had like a, a need to get out and, and expend energy. And I felt like that was the first way that like, like running kind of never took for me, even though I, I do, I do run like it never, like it just didn't feed whatever I was looking for it. I don't know, but cycling was really fun. And then I, when I started doing that with other people, um, it was, it became a, it, it just, it's that kind of synergy and, and like um, the, ability to like just maintain your fitness and um or the and like kind of forcing you to like think about your dietary choices too in order yeah. to perform better and like um yeah i mean my, my so my my rides kept sort of expanding um and when i was riding alone back in like 2005 2004 or 5 and then um and then i i linked up with a local bike shop in east long meadow mass um, and I met great people there and we grew together. We grew their group rides their Monday night rides to be like in the middle of summer, we'd have like 50 people. on these Wow. Rides. So it sounds so, like there's an aspect of community to it that was really, um, appealing and attractive. There is. And, and I have missed that the most over the last year plus like, yeah. Um, uh, and so one of the things I know about you from our, um, our, our, our previous lives um, when we were working together is you're, you're um, highly adept at technical things. You know, um, <laughs> you, you worked in like kind of like the AV world and mm. um, I've known other people who are really into biking. And one of the things they're attracted to are, are like the, the technical aspects of their bikes, like building them, you know, getting the right, gear set, you know, making sure you have the right calipers and, you know, shaving off a few ounces by, you know, getting this particular seat or, you know, like, I'm curious if you find, if, if you find the, the technical aspects of biking attractive and you dive into those things. Um, to some degree, yeah. um, I try not to be, um, too obsessed with that stuff and like, 
I'll do, I'll do a little bit of tinkering on my bikes. Um, but you know, some of that stuff is pretty like complicated. I mean, I've got hydraulic disc brakes on, on my bikes now. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't know how to bleed my brake lines. Um, <laughs> I should, but you know, I'll take that to a shop, but I think, I think I'm interested in the technology of it. Um, only as far as mm. it's like reasonable functionality, like, you know, does this, do these brakes stop the bike in a way that I like, you know, does this bike not weigh too much, you know, does it, does it get me where I want to go? Does it achieve the desired result? Like I try not to get too focused on, on those technical details. Um, and I think honestly, some of the, it, it's funny, like I, I did work in, in various technical roles. I mean, I did event production AV for years prior to working yeah. in academic technology and, I miss that world because that's live events. You know, it's, it's, uh, theatrical. It's, um, sometimes it's music, you know, I mean, music was really the, that, that is a driving factor for me, but, um, yeah. let me, let me get back into where, what were we talking about? Um, I, like, well, you know, yeah, I, I sent us there with our, our, t- our <laughs> talk, our technical talk about bikes. Um, you mentioned you were going to, you were going to tell us a little bit more about the, the type of bike you rode or started on, which was a, a cyclocross oh, yeah. bike. Is that, did I get yeah. that right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a drop bar bike. It looks like a, a road bike. Um, um, but it has thicker knobbier tires and wider, um, brakes. Um, of course now they have disc brakes generally, but, um, so th- those were used for like muddy um races called cyclocross races they're like circuit races it's like the steeplechase of bike racing it's on a fairly short course but it's varied terrain um and then you have to actually dismount while moving and hop over barriers or an obstacle um and then remount and um it's it it, it's pretty wild but i and it happens in the fall and um i've been racing cross for I think since 2010, I took a couple of years off here and there, but, um, I've seen people yeah. riding around our town with those bikes and I've always wondered what they are. There's a lot of mountain biking in our town. Yeah, no, too. but these are the, these are the bikes that Dan was describing. They look like road no, bikes, but like they got them. these fatter tires on them. Are you sure those are not electric bikes? No, they're definitely not electric bikes. That's fascinating. <laughs> do you, do you ride that type of bike now or are you do a different type of biking? I do. I do have one. Um, uh, it's, it's been a good kind of all rounder for like, you know, not only racing, but I can slap some fatter tires on it and take it on those like, you know, deep woods, logging road rides, uh, and even some single track stuff that, you know, would probably be better for a mountain bike, but, um, I have not had a mountain bike since I've lived out here. I miss it. I, there, we had so much, there's so much crazy riding out here, um, that I haven't explored yet as far yeah. as mountain biking trails go. Um, but I sold my mountain bike when I moved here and I, I didn't, I didn't buy a new one yet, but yeah. I do have a road specific, specific bike as well. Yeah. God, bikes are expensive. Yeah, they are. They are. Oh, I don't know how I'm ever going to continue riding my bikes and maintaining them with. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. I'm going to have to take a million dollar shot and, uh, yeah, it's interesting. My bike that I have, I I got it in I think 1994. Like a lot of things I got that involve the outdoors when I was in college, 
like there's a period of time where I bought a bunch of stuff in the early <laughs> to mid nineties. Um, it's like a Trek aluminum um, frame mountain bike that I used for quite a few years and threw in my parents' attic where it sat for probably 15 years, um, oh, yeah. 18 years. And I pulled it out and took it to a bike shop and the guy there was like, this is a great frame. He's like, it's in mint condition. It's perfect. So he like changed a bunch of stuff on it. I put road tires on it. Um, got changed like, out the handlebars. Got old people handlebars, so I don't have to <laughs> and lean. And a cushier seat. Yeah, a big, a fat seat for my, my tuchus. Your what? <laughs> my tuchus. Say that again. Tuchus. I'm saying it wrong. How do I say it? Tuchus. Oh, thank you. Get it. <laughs> for Sorry. the Yiddish, right? The, That's Yiddish? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, so, um, and it, it gets me where I need to go, which is down- <laughs> Which is nowhere. Which, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stomping Jen. He goes on a bike ride with us on the bike path yeah. for like six miles. That was so cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's never, he's never like, oh, let's go for a bike ride. Yeah. Right ever. <laughs> Thank you, Stomping Jen. It's okay. We're old. It's all yeah. right. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I make, I make do. <laughs> um, have you, so I'm you, getting old myself. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you ever been hurt while biking? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the worst um, injury you, you've received? Uh, oh, well, I guess it's, it's never been anything that serious. I, I, I haven't broken a bone, um, biking, uh, although I, yeah, no. So I think, um, yeah, the worst injury, let's see. You think about it. I'm going to tell you mine. Oh. Um, and you'll, <laughs> this, this is why he doesn't go anywhere. This will prove what a gangster I am. Right. Um, <laughs> I was, like when I was 12, I was riding my bike it was just like a um like a schwinn like 10 speed like road bike and i went off a curb and you know when you go off a curb you pull up the handlebars to like mm, jump mm. a little bit oh, i remember you do a superman over the bars well my front tire came off the quick release oh. wasn't screwed on and the forks oh. went down into the thing and i did the superman and broke my collarbone Ooh, right and i remember feeling one. yep i remember feeling it break and then i remember fainting i passed out i woke up in the street and some woman stopped and asked me if i needed a ride and i like screamed at her because i was in shock i was like no leave me alone i picked up <laughs> i picked up my bike slung it over my non-broken shoulder and walked a mile home oh my god yeah with it and then i walked through the door and my mother was like oh my god what is wrong with you then they took me that to the was, hospital so that's badass yeah <laughs> Never doubt me, stomping Jen. Oh I have a bike injury story. Dan, did you think of oh, your yeah? bike injury story? Yet? Let Dan tell his, and you could tell yours. I, well, mine, mine is mine. <laughs> mine was uh, the worst injury was when I was pretty young. I think I was, I was eight years old. Um, this is a little depressing, so I, I, let me uh, apologize to you and, and whoever is uh, ends up listening. I have I have oh, no, perfectly. If this is depressing, I have music. perfect music for it. God. Okay, go ahead. Oh, okay, great. So I, I was eight years old. I was um, riding my bike to my friend Rob's house. I had to cross my street, which was a busy street. Okay. Um, I decided to, you know, I, I did get off my bike to walk it across the street. So this wasn't, this wasn't like I was on my bike 
and the accident happened. I was walking my bike and um, I was on sort of a curved area of the road Um, and 19 year old guy uh, was driving his car and he hit me. He hit my bike. My bike hit my leg and broke my femur. Jesus. And I was in the, I was in Bay State Hospital for um, six and a half weeks in traction. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. How did the music still playing? I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. How did that not immediately pop into your mind? That's horrible. (laughs) Well, it wasn't like, because I mean, I've I've fallen down, I've scraped up, I've, uh, I did tear my arm open in a cross race in Hartford once. Um, But, but yeah, that was like, I think that was a thing that probably that accident, I mean, I had a half body cast for the rest of that summer of 88. And, what was um, that like being in traction for six weeks? It, oh, it was awful. I'm sorry. I was like super. No, no, it's okay. If I see um, a scab, I pick at it. That's part of my job. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. Um, I, yeah, it's a thing. And I, I had like, okay, well, so sorry. Uh, there's a lot I could say about it, but uh, traction. Yes, that was crazy. They drilled a pin into my lower leg in yeah. order to put my whole leg in traction. Um, and they did this. They like handed me a pain pill. They were like, here, swallow this. And then just started drilling it. it like, what the fuck? Dude, it was crazy. I will never forget it. And <sighs> I was, I was in there for six and a half weeks in traction. Oh I was a God. jerk to the nurses. Like <laughs> I, I just was, so I, I don't really remember, but I, I'm, I'm told that I was not, I was not kind. And yeah, but you know, it's, a, it's eight years old, man. Yeah. You know, what the, and the hell's going on? You're giving you leg, pills and in dr- drilling into your leg. Oh and they're God. like, Hey, you know, use this bedpan or whatever. Oh and my you're like, oh, God. God. So um, they took the pin out uh, at the end of my time there when they were going to put the cast on. And um, this was, you know, this was 88. So things were, are not like now they just put a pole in your bone and right. walk out. <laughs> yeah. But um, they, they, uh, yeah. So they, they, they tried to give me like enough drugs to, they said to my mother, we gave him enough drugs to knock out a horse, Oh my God! but he just won't like go to sleep. And I had to watch them like pull this, unscrew this pin from my lower leg. Oh, it was disgusting. My I'll never forget it. God. And Ugh. then I spent the rest of the summer, you know, and par- partially in that half body cast and then recovering and learning how to walk again. And, uh, and then I, uh, yeah. Oh my God. I, and then I had uh, recurring nightmares until I was 28. My God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> So I now was, have that, the um the worst I know I mean now I have the most um non impressive bike story. Oh no, mine's even less impressive. You might not even want oh, to tell yeah, it. Yeah, no, I'm no, not no. gonna even tell it. It's so boring. What I'm sorry. See, you should have told it before mine. I'm sorry. You can't follow that stomping jack. No. You can try. No. Does it involve a banana it's, seat? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's not a contest. <laughs> It's not no, a I mean it if was I could like take that out of my history. I would. I don't yeah. want that injury. I mean, it was oh like the God. '80s, and like you know, kids didn't were not required to wear bike helmets. Oh yeah, at all. 
think I'm about to hear something that's going to explain a lot. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't know. I remember getting a bike and I know where it happened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know if I just lost control of the bike, but I did fall in the middle of the street and, and bang my head pretty bad. I'm sorry that happened. And I think I had like an egg on my head for a really long time. I never told anybody either. Did you crash into <laughs> I didn't a chicken? Tell, like my parents or oh, anything. Wow. I, I just got up and like left with a, yeah. Yeah, with a wet snowboard. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, why bother tell anybody that this stupid thing happened? You know what? Oh, why tell anyone I have a concussion? It's no, fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, just take I a mean, nap. I think we all have these stories, right? Um, I'm going to get serious here for a second. Um, we grew up in an incredibly dangerous time. Yeah, People helmets, didn't wear that? helmets. There was no real thought about yeah. safety on bikes. Yeah, you have to wear your seatbelt, you know. It's amazing. We Pile the kids up. We were at a friend's house and we were talking about that, how... They had like eight kids and they had a station wagon and they would come up with very creative ways to get those kids in the car. Yeah. It's amazing we survived. I know. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm glad you were able to get back on a bike. I am really sorry that you had nightmares forever. That's terrible. Please don't have a nightmare tonight. No, (laughs) no. That was a long time ago. The last one I had was 2008. I mean... Yeah, I was, it was interesting. I would always like wake up in a cold sweat, you know, and and like, uh, uh, I would, I would like visualize the, the impact of the accident Mm -hmm. and then I would wake up. And, uh, anyway, I think that was probably indicative of some, some PTSD. Yeah, seriously. um, Like another new concept, right? Like a newer concept, PTSD. PTSD. Like, yeah, maybe people who experience traumatic accidents, um, might need ongoing care. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll tell you something. I, I can tie this into a bigger picture too. That, yeah. that I think I think that, um, and I know you don't want to go too much over your time here, but um, no, we can go as long as you want. Go ahead. So, some, sometimes I think about like the trajectory of my life, and I and I think, okay, that accident happened when I was eight. So obviously, some PTSD that that stuck around for for like twenty years, yeah. and um, uh, at least at least in terms of those like nightmares. And then, um, you know, I think like I found cycling, which is a little odd given I was like, it was sort of a bike related kind of accident, but, um, in a way, but I, and when I ended up riding with people, um, you know, that was like a, like a huge confidence builder. I had like no confidence. Like I just super low self-esteem and like, um, and, and finding a sport that I could get pretty good at was cool. Mm-hmm. I was never like a super athletic kid, but I, I wanted to be, but like, wasn't into like sports, you know, and cycling is kind of like a off the, it's a little off the path of, you know, beaten path of sports where it was, it seemed cool to me. And I met good people doing that and found community there and, and was able to kind of like become a, uh, I don't know, a better version of myself, I guess. And, uh, and then to try like racing, you know, like be super competitive and, uh, that was, that was something I never really saw for myself, you know, when I was younger. And then, um, and then I, I started racing when I was 30. Um, wow. and you know, I'm, I'm certainly, I'm just like an amateur. I've like, I'm like second to, well, I guess I went up in a couple of categories, you know, like I'm not slow, but, um, uh, yeah. And then I think, and what's, what's interesting and tying this back to photography and just general creativity, um, I met a guy named Scott Dakota who, uh, through cycling at that shop in East Long Meadow, 
that we, we started doing those group rides at. And, um, he worked for a local toy company, um, uh, based in Denmark, but has mm-hmm. an office in Enfield. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, he was, he ended up becoming like a global creative director for them. And he was always super, super like interested in what I wanted to do. He knew like I wasn't happy doing academic tech work and, um, just like, just was an ultra creative dude. And, 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 uh, I think about it, so he, so he unfortunately, uh, passed away. He had a tragic accident, uh, in Copenhagen and, uh, another bummer story, but for sure, like he was a great dude. And, um, but I think about him a lot and I think his attitude and like the stuff that we talked about, like together, he, like he informs and inspires my photography and pursuit of it. Because I think like, he's just someone that I, I, looked up to and um and through cycling which is like a, a weird thing to you know you meet somebody through that you meet all kinds of people through cycling and uh mm. yeah and uh he was a he was a really creative guy and uh um i just i like the i don't know i i, I wish i could ask him for advice now you know yeah. like mm-hmm. about the career transition i'm, I'm making mm. yeah well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's wonderful that, you know, you, you had a friend like that and somebody who could, could inspire you and, you know, and help you, um, you know, think about, think about cycling in a more meaningful way for you. And then to then take that and connect that, you know, to something else, I think is a great way to honor that person's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. legacy within you and w- without you too, outside of you. So. Yeah, that's for awesome. Sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know that's heavy stuff. No. I know a couple of heavy stories in a row. So no, my apologies. That's okay. I, I mean, this is this is the the third. I keep a little private log of the number of times I got goosebumps <laughs> for every show, and I'm up to four stomping Jen. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start talking about Sasquatch again? You want me to go for a goosebump record? Oh my god, um, you would get goosebumps from talking about the Sasquatch. Absolutely. Oh my god. Um, Dan, before we transition into kind of our funner, our funner questions, um, anything else you wanted to touch on with us about, you know, moving out there to the Pacific Northwest, your life there, um, photography, biking, anything else? Oh man. Um, if anybody is listening and wants to hire me, please hire me. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing a, a number of different directions with photography and I'm, I'm trying to see what, what's going to stick. And, uh, okay. you know, I've, I've had a lot of informational interviews with a lot of photographers that I know from either back home or, or here, um, um, all kinds of people, people who've covered protests here, people who do editorial work, um, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yep. And if you're listening yeah. to this, um, you know, and you're interested in connecting with Dan, um, we're going to have his information in our show notes. You can find his website at danwalker.me. Um, that's his photography page and there's contact information there. Um, yeah. Um, okay. The fun questions, Stomping Jen. Oh, the fun questions. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Um, And and I feel like, I feel like this first one, we're probably going to know the answer to, um, because we talked about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
So let's let's take cycling out of the equation. Um, what other stuff do you like to do um, to for fun or to reconnect with yourself? It could it could be anything. It could be yoga. It could be fishing. Maybe not fishing. I'm against fishing. I am too. Yep. I knew I would find somebody out there who disliked fishing. I, right. I, I am a vegetarian. Um, I don't eat fish. I don't eat seafood either. And I, I, I went, yeah, I, I, yeah, I used to fish. I, I used to fish when I was a little kid and, and I got tired of watching them die. I like, like, I like that I you like are, an, yeah, I like that you are an actual vegetarian, not oh one of God. these pretend fish eating vegetarians. They're called pescatarians. Why are you yelling? <laughs> Because I am upset that there are people out there who Why? claim to be vegetarians people who eat fish. Can, people can eat what they want to eat. No, they no. can't eat what they want. Yeah, but I know. Stop I get dictating it. to okay, people. Okay, but you cannot eat fish and call yourself a vegetarian. Why are you yelling? Because it gets me mad. Oh my god! I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Got a lot. No, it's okay. <laughs> All right. There's what does he like to do? My window. All right. So, sorry. sorry, we we didn't hear his we didn't hear his answer. Yeah, you didn't even I'm let sorry. him. He went on a whole tirade about fish. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, please. Um. Oh yeah. Right. Uh. The answer. So. Um. Yeah. What. Uh, yeah. I like. Um. I'm. I'm. I'm a drummer. Um. I like to play music and. Uh, nice. Yeah, that's been great. I haven't I haven't found anybody to play with since I've been out here. But my old friend Tom, who's been out here for like 20 years, um, we've we've been hyping it up and talking about it, you know, the whole pandemic. <laughs> like we're gonna play together, you know, we're gonna do it. He he bought a new guitar and um so we we've been threatening to, you know, release that onto the world and, nice. and we'll see. Um and other than that, just I mean, long walks, mm. you know. Um when the city is in better shape, the, it's it's pretty nice, um, but still okay. <laughs> cool, cool. All hiking. right, hiking's great. That's yeah. One. I like the idea of hiking. But I don't know. When I met you, you hiked every I weekend. I know. Avidly. Avidly. Yeah. Interesting. Like you would go out early in the morning. That's a lie. Okay. It's probably not a lie. I'm just saying that because I don't like to think of um, you hiking of how I used to be compared to how I am now. That's okay. For like that was 25 years ago. I can't even get out of bed. Um, There's a meme I like on Facebook. I somebody saw and I have it pinned to the top of my page. It shows a bunch of penguins on a beach. There's a group of them out in the lead, kind of running, and it says, "People who get up early in the morning to run." And then there's a penguin way behind, <laughs> bent over, vomiting, and it says me just trying to process the idea that I'm alive. <laughs> it just speaks to everything about where I'm at in my life. It's like I, I, I for, I'm grateful I wake up in the morning at all. Why is but, this about you? This is Dan oh, Walker's podcast. All right. Yes, sorry. it's your podcast. I'm just, I'm just along. No, to I ride, have to yell you know? at him. Um, I was all complimenting him with my story. That um, was I. I no, <laughs> this has nothing to do with all right. anything. All right, um, Dan. I like that you go for walks. That's what I wanted to say. Oh, is that where you were yes, going? Yes, I this? like walks. 
Well, you like walking? Yes, I, I love walking. Oh, hiking, that's where we go. Yeah, hiking. Yes, How dare you, yes. Stomping Jim? Our kid likes to hike. Yes. Um, One of them. All right, our other kid does not like to hike. Our last fun question, and you can you can take this any way you want. It's okay not to have an answer. Some people don't have an answer. Some people have an answer right away. You can think about it, um, whatever you want to do. I'm just going to ask it. All right, here we go, Stomping Jen. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what have you experienced that you cannot explain? Oh, okay. It's not Sasquatch. Okay. Oh, thank God. I will. I, yeah, <laughs> but but it's but it's close. It's related. I'm gonna play um, some music here. Okay. Make it lower. So in 2003, I went to Acadia National Park for the first time, and watch the sunset on top of Cadillac Mountain. Mm-hmm. All the tourists left, you know, they got their pictures of the sunset. Everybody got in their cars and left. Okay. Um, and my girlfriend at the time and, and I were, were uh, just up there hanging out, laying on a rock and uh, looking up at the stars. And there were definitely very unexplainable um points of light moving in ways that were erratic and rapid, like oh my God. very, very, and I know, uh, Sawtooth that you, yes. uh, shared some, uh, some, some Navy mm-hmm. testimony of, um, uh, UAP. evidence of UFOs, but yeah. so I don't know, they were very distant points of light, but they looked as though they could, um, like immediately begin moving fast and then stop instantly. And they would just do this stuff and there were like 10 of them and we watched this for like an hour and a half thank you for sharing that dan walker that was one of the there were no substances involved (laughs) that was one of the most beautiful answers to that question we've ever received um thank you i loved it thank you that was a great answer um thank you for sharing it Sure. More evidence stomping, Jen. Uh-huh. It's piling up. I know. You cannot, you can no longer be the cold hearted skeptic that you want to be. Not the X Files here. Hmm. A rebranding angle, perhaps? No. Okay. Uh. All right. <laughs> Dan Walker, I need to say something to you. And that is thank you for coming on to talk with us. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation and. Um, just chatting with you and, and hearing about your photography, your move out to the Pacific Northwest, cycling. Mm-hmm. It was great. Sasquatch, so, UAPs, you know. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for being here and thanks for talking to us. Well, thank you. It was great to chat with you both. And um, yeah, yeah I, I really appreciate the opportunity. And, um, you know. Thank you. All right. Stomping Jen. Yes. We're going to talk to our listeners now really quickly. Go ahead. We're going to say what? We love you. Yes, we do. We do love you. Um, both of us, right? Uh-huh. Thank you yes, for- li- That's what the we part yep. means. Thank you for continuing to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, do all of the things we'd like you to do. Um, mm-hmm. Download our episodes. Subscribe to our podcast through whatever app you use, if this is the first time you're listening, or if it's not, just subscribe. Our episodes will pop into your feed automatically. Um, tell a friend about us if you mm-hmm. like hearing our conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No. No, I think that covers it. So, yeah. um, Dan, we like to we like to end by everybody going around and, and um, saying our sign-off phrase, which is by now. 
Um, so we'll let you go first. Bye now. Stomping Jen. <laughs> Do you want me to go? You can have the last word. Okay. Um, listeners, um, again, we love you. Bye now. Bye now. What button do I hit? This one. Oh, Bye now. Bye now. Oh, you. This world of ours, ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity, and that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth, and that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road.